gentlemen, boys and girls, generators, you are listening live here to the Brandon's World Podcast on this Monday, November 1st. 2021, we have so much to get to today, so let's not waste any more time. First of all, what a tremendous weekend it was in baseball. Of course, the Atlanta Braves are now one win away from the World Series. Game 6 is tomorrow night, Tuesday night. Let's hope the Braves can wrap things up. Now, the Braves have done something very unique in this postseason, they've done something very unique throughout this World Series. They have not used their starters barely at all. In Game 4, their bullpen went 8 innings. In Game 5, their bullpen went 7 innings. Atlanta is being very reliant on their bullpen. Houston, by the way, their starters are only going 3-4 to four innings. But the Astros have scored at least 5 runs. In 11 of 15 postseason games, that ties an MLB record. And as you guys know, I have been on record that if the Houston Astros win the World Series with this collective bargaining agreement coming up, it is going to be such a bad look for the sport of baseball. It might be detrimental to the sport as a whole if while you're fighting over the salary floor and games and all that other stuff they fight over in the CBA if your last world champion was a cheater. But I gotta give credit to the Atlanta Braves because in game three and in game four in Atlanta they held down that Houston offense. And that's what they're going to have to do to have a chance in either game six or game seven. Though it does look like the Astros are on a roll. It does look like the Astros have the momentum back. It does look like to me at least the Astros are going to win the World Series in seven games. Unfortunately, I did pick Houston to win in five games. And for the first time since the 2013 MLB postseason, we have not had a sweep in any of the rounds. That is good for baseball. It's been very entertaining. But the way the Braves are going to have to win this series is by low scoring. Three to two. 2-1, to 2-0, to like we saw in Game 3 and in Game 4, what we saw last night in Game 5, they jump out to a 4 nothing lead, the Astros bounce right back, obviously the Braves giving them free passes with the walks, that is not a formula to win the World Series, and so we'll see. You know, when we come back here on Wednesday or on Thursday, depending on whenever the World Series ends, the podcast schedule is going to be very fluent this week. There's a lot of stuff going on in sports with the college football AE rankings. Of course, so much going on in the National Football Week, which we're about to get to. But yeah, we'll see. In my opinion now, the Houston Astros should still be the favorite to win the World Series. If you're a betting person, I would put the odds on the Astros. I do think they win this in seven games. Kudos to the Braves for fighting their arts off. I still think the Astros are cheaters. There's no way they should be in this World Series. There's no way they should still have that championship in 2017. But hey, the whistleblowing didn't happen in Atlanta. That was the Braves' chance. They got away with it in Game 1. And I'm just afraid now they cannot put it away in Game 5. Houston's going to come back and win Game 6 and 7 at home. Now they do say a series doesn't start until a 
team wins on the road. It started in Game 1 with the Atlanta Braves, but now the Houston Astros have returned the favor. Winning Game 5 in Atlanta's home ballpark, it's the Braves' first loss this postseason at home. And so now the Astros, hey, they should be down 3-2. Theoretically, if you're doing the home-and-home math, now can they put them away in Game 6 and Game 7 at home? Very quickly, I do want to address the fact that Michigan State and Mel Tucker obviously knocked off Michigan, Ohio State, knocking off Penn State. Very impressive by Ohio State. Very impressive by C.J. Stroud. It'll be interesting to see what the AP College Football Poll comes out with tomorrow. If you missed my podcast with Gabe Carrera on Friday, make sure to go check it out. We went over a bunch of scenarios. Of course, Gabe is now the sports director at Black Score Radio. He was in the press box for that Ohio State and State game. We talked about obviously we recorded it before the ball game we talked about what happened if Michigan's you know only loss was to Ohio State would they get in that's not a possibility anymore obviously I think right now you're looking at Georgia Ohio State Alabama Oklahoma as the top four teams in the country no I'm not putting Cincinnati in there yes I realize Oklahoma has had some tough losses Yes, I realize that Oklahoma should have lost to Texas. Yes, I realize they could lose to Kansas. But here's the thing, folks. Cincinnati hasn't played anybody good. To me, it's a race to the national championship between Ohio State at this point, uh, Georgia, and Alabama. Those are it. That fourth team doesn't really have a shot. The way I would rank it right now, I think you would have to put number two against number three. I think that would have to be Alabama and Ohio State. Georgia would kill whoever gets into that fourth seed. I think right now Oklahoma with their college football playoff stature would get that advantage over Cincinnati. But we'll have to see the results when the committee comes out. I just hope the committee doesn't overreact. I think we all kind of overreacted when Ohio State lost to Oregon in week two. Obviously Ohio State at this point does look like a top three team in the country. So does Alabama. That loss to Texas A&M doesn't affect any Anything. They'll be good teams. We know how good Alabama is. That Alabama-Georgia game in the SEC Championship is going to be so important because if Alabama loses two games, then the rails start to fall off, right? I mean, you could see an Oregon in there. You could see a Michigan State if their only loss is to Ohio State. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Iowa just went down again against Wisconsin. So Iowa really has no shot. It's just going to be really curious to see if Bama loses to Georgia in that SEC championship game, who's going to be that number four team. But as of right now, if Georgia only has one loss, if that loss comes to Bama in the SEC championship game, if Bama only has one loss and Ohio State only has one loss, I think they are wild. And by the way, for the record, if Oklahoma does win the Big 12 championship game, I think they are a lock. Right now, it looks like that game could be against Baylor, but it could also be against Oklahoma State. Alright, and now we are about to get to the wild, wild, wild west of the National Football League in Week 8. I apologize, by the way, for my mic audio issues on Thursday. I don't know really what was happening. I think my mic was set to a little bit of a higher level, and I don't think the mic was fully plugged in all the way. I think that's why we had a little bit static. Hopefully, the mic issues are fixed today. I didn't realize it, obviously, until after I finished the podcast. 
after I finished up warning because it sounded well in Adobe Audition. Don't know what happened. Um, and so if the mic issues do persist, we'll have to get that fixed and I'll re-record it. And so if you're not seeing a podcast today, by the way, that might be why. But hopefully we can just deal with all this and we'll get right into week eight in the National Football League. Because it was an extremely, extremely weird day in the NFL at this point, by the way, I am five and nine in picks this week. It is by far my worst week in picking games straight up this season, and it's one of my worst weeks picking games since I started really closely looking at football about five years ago. I went one for five in my best bets. Backup quarterbacks absolutely killed it. I had some bone crushing. Just mistake after mistake after mistake late in ball games. And so without further ado, let's get to it. Speaking of mistakes, I had Arizona defeating Green Bay. I thought without Devontae Adams, without Montez Valdez scantling, I didn't think Green Bay was gonna be able to move the ball on a great Arizona football team, even without JJ Watt and Aaron Rodgers. Played an absolutely fantastic game just distributing the football to whoever was open. And with all that being said, Kyler Murray on a bump sprained ankle, which I'll get to that in a moment. Obviously, threw the ball to A.J. Green, was expecting a fade route. A.J. Green either thought it was a run or he was running a go or wasn't expecting the ball. I don't know what was happening. He obviously didn't turn around. Leads to the interception, leads to the Green Bay win. If Arizona gets that touchdown, they would have won the ball game. Green Bay would have covered. But this Arizona team would look a lot different. Now, all of a sudden, they are now 7-1. The Rams, who just got a big piece today, which we'll get to when we get to their game, are nicking on their heels. It feels like Iowa Murray is going to miss at least one week with a sprained ankle. His target it sounds like could be maybe week 10. We don't know if he's going to play week 9. If he does not play, I don't expect Arizona to go to San Francisco and win. That's a tough game as it is. We'll get to the Niners, but they bounce back in a big way against the Bears. So all of a sudden, if you're Arizona, still, by the way, in one of the toughest divisions in football, definitely the toughest in the NFC. Seattle, who beat Jacksonville yesterday pretty soundly. They're going to get Russell Wilson back. It looked like in the second half, the Niners kind of hit their mojo. Obviously, the Rams are there. So Arizona's in danger to me of going from the one seed to potentially the five seed and being on the road in the playoffs. And Arizona's a very good football team. But you saw it, right? When DeAndre Hopkins goes down, that's their whole offense. Green Bay is 7-0 without Devontae Adams in the lineup. They just found a way. Now, they did lose Robert Onion, the tight end. They don't have Jair Alexander. They definitely have some pieces, but Aaron Rodgers just is able to overcome everything, and Green Bay is just able to nab that W. Now, let's get to the Browns, who, in very disappointing fashion, in my opinion, lost the Steelers 15-10. I said that I wouldn't bet it. I thought there were better lines on the board this week, but I would have hammered the Browns minus three and a half. The line went up to four. I would have hammered it. Browns minus four, even with Baker Mayfield in there, which we did not know. We kind of knew a little bit, but we didn't know for sure at the start of the time of the podcast recording on Thursday. And the Browns with Nick Chubb, with Jarvis Landry, with Odell Beckham. 
were only able to manage one touchdown, and that was a run by Dearness Johnson. Odell Beckham got one target, caught the pass for six yards. He is just a cancer. He is a disaster on this Brown scene. I said it when they made the deal when Freddie Kitchens was the head coach in 2019. I said this is a bad idea. Odell Beckham's overrated. He made one catch his whole life. It was an overrated catch. He's never been that good of a wide receiver. And look, I was proven right. And Steelers fans, I got to give credit to you. Because you beat, in my opinion, what I thought was a very good Super Bowl-like. Now, I wasn't sitting here like every other Browns fan in the country saying 13-3, and 14-3, and 13-4. Here we go. I said between, you know, 10-7, and 11-6. I thought the Browns had a harder schedule than most people thought at the beginning. I was proven right on that. I thought they would take a step back. I didn't think it'd be this much of a step back. Defense can't really cover nobody, and Pittsburgh, without a kicker, defeated the Browns. It was a dumb call by Mike Tomlin at the end of the first half. Had no idea how that game was 3-3 three to three at the end of the first half, but the Steelers, much like New England, their quarterback play is boring. They don't have many weapons. They just find a way to win. Ben Roethlisberger with a perfect pass and a run pass option to Deontay Johnson to seal the game. Nobody has any blame but the Browns. Boo-hoo, they lost the right tackle. Who cares? You have injuries across the board. Boo-hoo, you didn't have Denzel Ward. He's been hurt the last four years. I don't want to hear it. This offense is boring. The Browns don't trust Baker Mayfield. They don't throw the ball enough. Your guys were dropping balls all over the place yesterday in a very winnable game where the Steelers are not dynamic offensively. It's Najee Harris. And if you can't stop him, that opens things up for Deontay Johnson. It's basically it. It's those two. The offensive lines are work in progress. I thought Miles Garrett, myself, and I've been very critical of number 95. I thought he actually had a pretty good game. But it's disappointing. And the Browns are now 4-4. Four and four, And to me, there's, just, there's things that need to be fixed. Kevin Stefanski's message is not getting through. He's too calm. He's not getting mean. These Browns think they can come out and do whatever they want, and they got shown up yesterday in an embarrassing loss to the Steelers. Speaking of teams that, that were showing up, I gotta tell you, I was surprised by the score of this game. My Philadelphia Eagles came in there and wiped the root, wiped the flower. Nick Sirianni, offense, defense, special teams came in there and rolled the Lions. Jalen Hurts only went 9 of 13 for 100 yards. Who cares? We ran the ball for over 200 yards on the ground with Boston Scott and Jordan Howard. Miles Sanders is going to miss two more weeks. Jordan Howard had really fresh legs. I want to see him get the ball more. And the Lions, for all this talk about MCDC and his crew playing hard, they got absolutely rolled yesterday. And now my Eagles have a very interesting game coming up with the Los Angeles Chargers, who we'll get to yesterday. They didn't look that sharp against New England. Now, the good news for the Browns, though, obviously the loss to the Steelers is very bad news, but they got good slash bad news when the Bengals lost the Jets. The reason why I say good news, it obviously helped them in the standings. I could not figure this game out. Mike White, I hammered the Bengals in my best bets. Minus 10.5, minus 11, wherever you can get the line at. I thought Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, you know, E. Higgins, C.J. Uzmanzala, Tyler Boyd, these guys would just go on and throw the ball. You know, Trey Henderson, Larry Ogunjobi, Mike Hilton, all these additions on defense would just shut down the Jets quarterback. Nah, man. Jets came out, 
They fought hard. They played well for Mike White. They played inspired. Jamar Chase only had three catches for Cincinnati. Joe Burrow made some bone-headed plays late. Jets play hard for Robert Sala. They get the victory. The bad news for the Browns is now the Bengals are going to be angry. And in a huge AFC North showdown next week at Paul Brown Stadium, Battle of Ohio here, halfway for the season, Browns-Bengals. This is a very important game. With Baltimore coming off a bye, you know Baltimore's going to be mad after their loss to Cincinnati. They're going to come out. They're going to play angry. I still think Baltimore's the best team in the division. I think Cincinnati's second. I think even though the Steelers beat the Browns, I truly do believe that the Browns need to turn this thing around. They do need to make the playoffs. They do need to be better than Pittsburgh, or Ed should roll in Cleveland, in my opinion. But this Joe Burrow is special. The Bengals almost beat the Browns twice last year with a worse Bengals team. Folks, the Browns should be scared to death. I think Cincinnati's going to come in there. And by the way, right now they're favored by three. I think that's a tough line because I think Cincinnati could win that by three. But I could see Cincinnati also winning that game by double digits. Advantage for Cincinnati here is they're 2-0 in the division. The Browns are 0-1. But obviously that was a bad loss for the Cincinnati Bengals yesterday. Now Buffalo. I really love this line of minus 14. They covered because they won by 15. But folks, this game was 3-3, much like the Steelers and Browns, midway for the third quarter. I thought there was no way Buffalo was going to cover. Miami came out. They played hard for Brian Flores. Two attack of Iloa did not play terribly, but they're just not dynamic offensively. Tua ain't it. They can't compete with Josh Allen. They know it. It's why they've been trying to trade for Deshaun Watson for the last month or so. They're not going to get it done more than likely by the trade deadline. But Buffalo, with all of these AFC teams losing yesterday, the Browns, uh, Cincinnati, you know, uh, the Chargers, these teams now, you know, they all have two free losses. Buffalo, even their loss to Tennessee, and we're going to get to Tennessee here in one second. Losing Derrick Henry is a huge loss. We'll see if they make an acquisition at the trade deadline. But to me, Buffalo looks like the best team in the AFC. Josh Allen is special. Miami is not. And now the Dolphins are 1-7. And, and you have to wonder now if they do not get to Sean Watson at the trade deadline, how much are they going to throw to a take of Iowa out there? I mean, again, they are 1-7. They do have another matchup with New England. They do play the Jets, I believe, uh, next week even possibly. And as a matter of fact, I believe the Texans. So there are some wins out there. But what happens if they lose to the Jets? What happens if they lose to the Texans? Are they benching to a take of Iowa? Now, they have the Texans first-round pick. They do not have their own first-round pick. That pick actually belongs to my Philadelphia Eagles, and that's all because of them moving up the Dolphins, Eagles, and Niners all maneuvered, so San Francisco can move up to number three and take Trey Lance, which I said was a mistake by the Dolphins to do so. I thought they should have taken a quarterback at number three. So it'll be very interesting to see what the Dolphins do heading into the second half of the season. Now, my guy, Carson Wentz, was up 14-0 with the Colts. Blew that game. Just an absolute bad interception. Tennessee with a huge win here. Puts the Colts four games behind them. Obviously, the three games in the loss column. Plus, now, Tennessee has won both games. They automatically have an end-to-end tiebreaker. The big story coming out of here, though, is will Tennessee make a deadline deal for a running back? Even with their own division rivals, a team like the Texans, who might be selling like a baseball team here in, in the next 24 to 48 hours because of the injury to Derrick Henry, 
You cannot rely on Brian Nichols to be your number one running back. As much as we like A.J. Brown and Julio Jones when he comes back with the Titans offense, this Titans offense is based on the run. And without, uh, you know, a run game with Derrick Henry, will Ryan Fitz, or will Ryan Tannehill, excuse me, be as successful? I don't truly know the answer to that question. But I will say Tennessee is an advantage in this regard. Be, you know, barring a historic collapse, they're going to win the AFC South title. Now the Colts, they still do have Jacksonville, they still have Houston, they still have their Jets on the schedule, they still have New England, but Tennessee has most of those teams too. And even without Derrick Henry, I think they can win those games. Tennessee could go from a 12 and 5 to a 10 and 7. They have a tough Sunday night matchup next week against the Los Angeles Rams, who we are about to get to, who made a huge acquisition today. So, you know, hey, what will Tennessee do without Derrick Henry? It's a huge story because the Colts' window, even though they're four games back, we've never seen this Tennessee offense without Derrick Henry. Are they too running back centric? We're about to find out. I don't think they will be. I don't think they'll miss that much of a step. I think he is a huge loss, yes. But when you have two wide receivers in Julio Jones, in A.J. Brown, you cannot miss that much. I still expect Tennessee now. That was a big, big win for them. Carson Wentz with two bad interceptions late. He went back to wild pony Carson Wentz that I knew very well in Philadelphia. That was a bad, bad game for the Colts. It was a bad loss in a game they had to have. It was one of my best bets in the plus one and a half, and it just did not work out. The Rams crushed Houston. Yeah, Houston scored 22 straight, but it was 38-0 at one point. This game wasn't even a contest, really. Rams let them back in at garbage time. Who cares? They just got Von Miller. That is the big story coming out of this trade deadline. They're giving up a second and a third round pick in next year's draft to go get the now former Denver Bronco pass rusher, who, by the way, with him and Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, that is now a scary proposition on the defensive side of the ball. And the Rams, along with Tampa, I would have to say are now 1-2 in the NFC. And I must say, I was a little surprised by this. Because as you know, going into the year, I was not in love with Matthew Stafford. I was not in love with the Rams. I liked Russell Wilson in Seattle more. I like Iowa Murray and Arizona more. I even liked San Francisco where they put in Trey Lance. I was not a big believer in Matthew Stafford. I kept hearing about that he didn't have a team for 15 years. And I kept saying, well, I don't understand that because he had the best wide receiver of all time in Calvin Johnson. He had Marvin Jones. He had Golden Tate. And, um, well, Matthew Stafford's proved me wrong because the Rams just look terrific. They obviously trounced Houston. Now, this next game, don't ask me why I picked Chicago. I was questioning this pick the whole second half. I said, Brandon, you dumb dumb. Why would you do this? The Niners with Jimmy Garoppolo got back on a roll. And as I mentioned, if Kyler Murray cannot play next week against Arizona, I believe they play Arizona in San Francisco. The Niners win that game. They are right back in it in the thick of a low, low, low. I mean, this NFC 7C wildcard team is going to be a 8-9 win team. So these Niners, Carolina, a team like my, my Eagles, you know, a team like the Vikings, their season's not particularly dead yet. Even the Bears, if they get back on track. But missing Matt Nagy due to COVID-19, I don't think that that would have made the difference. The Niners just ran the hell out of the ball in the second half. 
And if the Niners can get back to this, and if they can get George Kittle back, and if they can run the football, they are definitely still a formidable force in the NFC. One of my right predictions this week, one of the only games I got right, was at Carolina. I said I would have bet the plus three. I picked them to win straight out. 19-13 against Atlanta. Sam Darnold did get hurt in this game. Looks like he has a concussion. Now, P.J. Walker and Carolina may be up. P.J. Walker, of course, of the XFL. They take on New England next week. That could be a bad matchup for them. So, again, look for a team like San Francisco, a Minnesota, a Seattle when Russell Wilson gets back, and Eagles to potentially sneak into the NFC. Atlanta, a bad loss. You saw the writing on the wall to me last week when they almost choked that game away to the Tatua Tagovailoa and the Dolphins. Atlanta is not a great team. Kelvin Ridley has left the team because of mental health illnesses. I'm not going to knock him for it. Obviously, I hope Kelvin Ridley gets better. But without him, it's Kyle Pitcher Butts. I mean, Cordero Patterson, they're using him as a running back. They're using him as a wide receiver. But he's not anything too, too special. It's a rookie or bust. That's a bad sign for an offense in Arthur Smith. I think they need to focus on getting a real running back in the draft. I thought trading Julio Jones was a mistake when you have that great a talent at wide receiver and it's not in a real Beckham situation where you are constantly getting him the football. I just never understood that. I thought they should have kept him and right now they're paying for it. Seattle, Geno Smith. I said they would block Jacksonville. They did. They get Russell Wilson back in a couple weeks. Look out for them. Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer. This was a rough day in the office for a bad Jacksonville team. How about New England? Now this I did not expect. Justin Herbert we thought was a perennial MVP candidate at the start of the year. Especially the way he played week 5 against the Browns. He came out against Belichick and played like rookie Justin Herbert. Just like he came out against Baltimore and played like rookie Justin Herbert. New England it's still a young quarterback. Bill Belichick still knows. How to coach against young quarterbacks. New England is now all of a sudden 4-4. Four and four, And I realize they did beat the Jets. And they did beat the Texans. But this is a huge confidence building win for them. They do have Carolina as well next week. With again, without Sam Darnold. This could be a win for New England. Whose defense is really oven. Belichick's got Mac Jones. Playing well within the system. Not making any mistakes. Hitting his check down. Using Damian Harris in the run game. I'm not saying New England's going to make the playoffs because I still think, again, I think the Browns and the Bengals are more dynamic. I think the Colts, even with this injury to Derrick Henry and this bad loss yesterday, I still think Indianapolis, quite frankly, has more explosion offensively than New England. And, and as an offensive mind, I would like to think that the Colts could beat the Patriots. I know they play each other later in the season in, New England, in, in Indianapolis. Excuse me. That's going to be a big game. You know, I still like Vegas. I still like Kansas City. You play tonight against the Giants. I think that, you know, Patrick Mahomes has a LeBron James-like effect. Or maybe that team isn't as good of a seed. Maybe it's like Tom Brady, who obviously had to go for the wild card last year. But Kansas City could be a very dangerous 6 or 7 seed if they do sneak into the, in the, into the playoffs. So does Vegas. So does the Chargers. So there's a lot of competition with a lot of good offenses. But yesterday, New England's defense, along with Pittsburgh's defense, the old school mentality, man, not scoring a lot of points and shutting down two high-profile offenses like the Chargers and the Browns. Very impressive for New England to get that dump. Denver, who obviously just traded away Von Miller, 
Washington season seems to be over. Denver wins it 17 to 10 to get to 4 and 4. They did start 3 0. They're now 4 and 4. They realize their season's probably done. They realize they're the fourth best team in the division. That's why they traded away Von Miller. They're going to try to get draft picks and rebuild that defensive line with Bradley Chubb when he gets healthy, who they hope can be the next Von Miller and some linebackers and some, you know, other pieces to that defense. Where for Washington, they need a quarterback. That defense played well yesterday, and for the first time this season, Taylor Heineke did not. The defense did not reward them. Washington, I said they would make a mistake by not going after a quarterback in the draft. I don't care how good your defense is. When you're third or fourth best at QB in the division, you're going to be a bad football team. We're seeing it this year with Washington. Tom Brady had a bad game for Tampa Bay. I'm not too worried about it. Yes, Trevor Simeon outplayed Tom Brady. Yes, Jameis Winston is out for the Saints. Yes, Mark Ingram is back for New Orleans. That's a huge piece for them. Yes, they have a good defense. Yes, they're going to be able to run the ball. Yes, they may have a chance at the playoffs. But this is not an explosive Saints offense, especially without Alvin Kamara. I think Tampa Bay's secondary is really beat up. But Tom Brady usually has these types of losses. Now, again, I thought Tampa Bay figured out New Orleans last year in the playoff game. I guess they just figured out Drew Brees because Trevor Simeon just literally picked them apart. Now, I don't know who's going to play quarterback for them. Whether it's that gadget, that guy who really can't play quarterback in days of hell, that Sean Payne thinks he's so cocky he's going to try to make into a quarterback, or whether it's going to be Trevor Simeon, we'll have to see. But I do believe that, yes, the Saints do have a shot at the wild card. If they meet again in Tampa Bay, I would pick the Bucs. I think Brady just had a bad day. He got them back into the ball game, made a bad mistake at the end of the game. It happens. It's not the end of the world. Tampa Bay doesn't get rattled over these losses as we saw last year. They got killed by the Saints. They got their rematch. They made the Super Bowl. They won it. They make adjustments when they go in, in their bye week. I'm not too, too worried at all about Tampa Bay. Just a well-played game by the Saints, whose defense is definitely part of the last year. But if I was them, I would go call a quarterback, whether it's Cam Newton or whoever, because I don't think Trevor Simeon or Taysom Hill is it for them. And if they want a shot at these plants without Drew Brees, who knows? Maybe they go ahead and call Drew Brees under retirement from NBC. But, um, you know, if it's one of those two, Simeon or Hill, I don't think they make the postseason. And then you have the Cowboys. Oh, the Vikings and the Browns are the exact same team. They're overrated with a conservative mindset. They got great receivers and they don't want their quarterback for the football. I thought Dallas... His defense played great, but I thought Cooper Rush played great. Minnesota plays scared with Kirk Cousins. The Niners at times play scared with Jimmy Garoppolo. The Browns play scared with Baker Mayfield. The Colts do not play scared with Carson Wentz. It won them the game the week before against San Francisco. It may have lost them against Tennessee, but at least they don't play scared. Dallas did not play scared with Cooper Rush. They don't even have Michael Gallup. Amari Cooper got hurt late in the game. Now, he made a fantastic catch at the end of the game by Cooper Rush, who I thought played well. I thought they managed the ball game. I thought the Cowboys got O's on some calls myself. Mike McCarthy is a terrible coach. Just staring at the ceiling. I have no idea why and how Dallas wins football games, but they do. And uh, the Cowboys look really good. And I hate to admit it, but I'm here to admit it. 
I'm here to chalk it up that, um, unfortunately, the Cowboys have won the NFC East. It's my Eagles have a shot at the playoffs. It's going to have to go through the wild card. Cooper Rush looks very confident. After the shotgun, thrown to Ezekiel, thrown to Tony Power, thrown to CDM. Michael Parsons and Trayvon Diggs and that defense. And what's up, Trayvon Diggs is okay. He's obviously a very good corner, as much as I hate to admit it. Uh, looks like he might have got hurt at the end of the game. Michael Parsons, just an out-of-this-world linebacker. And the Vikings, after the opening drive, only put up three more field goals after that. They scored a touchdown, but the rest of the game, they did not score a touchdown. That was a key to the game. Dallas' defense managed the game. They went Cooper Cup, go win it again. At the end of the game, a great throw to Cooper on the sideline that obviously bounced off the Viking defender, but then the great throw on the fade in the back of the end zone to win the Cowboys the game. I got to give all credit to Dallas. You know, I think their coaching, their head coach is terrible. Kellen Moore is a great play caller. Dan Quinn's a great defensive coordinator. They are overcoming bad coaching, and this is a game they would have won easily if Dak was in there. Instead, they won it with Cooper Rush, and even though Minnesota did have a chance to the West, that is a deflating loss for them. Alright, well, we will be back here breaking down all of the things of the NFL trade deadline. That will be tomorrow on a special Tuesday edition. Again, we'll break down everything that happens in the NFL trade deadline. Will Houston sell like a baseball team? We already know the Rams got a big addition in Von Miller. Who will they trade to John Jackson to? Will Tennessee go get a running back or replace Derrick Henry? Will Odell Beckham be out of Cleveland? Will um, the coach or somebody else of that make a move who thinks they're going to go to the playoffs? We'll have to see. I can't wait to break it all down. It was a wild, wild West NFL Sunday, something I did not expect. I did not expect Arizona to lose to Green Bay. How about Pittsburgh defeating the Browns? The Jets defeating Cincinnati, Tennessee defeating Indianapolis, uh, the Niners defeating the Bears, uh, the New England defeating the Chargers, Denver defeating Washington, New Orleans defeating Tampa, Minnesota losing to Dallas. So those are all upsets to me. I went five and nine in picks, one and four in my best bets. I had Cincinnati minus ten and a half against the Jets blow up in my face. Indy plus one and a half against the Titans blow up in my face. The Rams minus 14 against Houston. They almost did not cover. That was the only team that covered for me. Chargers minus 5.5 blew up in my face. And Minnesota plus 2.5 really blew up in my face. So there you have it. That line even moved to Minnesota minus 3 before the game, by the way, real quick. I mean, just so disgusting, the Vikings. You really couldn't help the Eagles, really, Minnesota. Anyways, that's it for today. Enjoy the World Series Game 6 tomorrow. We'll be back here breaking down the NFL trade deadline. We'll see you then. And peace!